At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. As NASA looks to launch the first Artemis mission, sending its mega SLS rocket and Orion capsule around the moon, investors are watching the milestone closely. We're believers that this is a once in a generation opportunity for us to invest in an area of, of growth. To use a cliche, the next frontier within civil space. AE Industrial Partners is the largest investor in the space sector, and Kirk Konert is the person overseeing it. The private equity firm has ownership stakes in Sierra Space, Firefly Aerospace, and just recently added York Space Systems to its portfolio. AE Industrial is also the company behind Redwire, which went public last year and which is a supplier on this Artemis One mission. If you included all of the enterprise values of all the companies we invested in, it's close to $20 billion. I'm Morgan Brennan, and this is Manifest Space. We're a private equity firm. We're focused on aerospace defense. We have about $5 billion of assets under management. Uh, we really started out as a commercial aerospace focused investment firm and over the years build a portfolio of assets in that that sector and there tends to be overlapping uh, sectors between commercial aerospace and space and defense and we saw within those portfolio companies space really really growing and really really taking off in those those particular companies and we said where well, what's going on in this sector? Where, where, what are we, what are we, uh, why are we seeing this growth? And we really dug into that, those, that market and saw three big trends happening that are the drivers for space, which are defense, uh, civil, civil space budgets and commercial, commercial space. And that, that, uh, we saw, we saw all those trends, uh, increasing over the next decade, driven by their own unique unique reasons, we said, "How do we how do we really play that sector?" And we we came with a thesis called Redwire Space uh, that really started that that uh, that investment focus for us. And that play was really how do we how do we become a mission enabler for all the space missions that are going into into orbit over the next decade? And we started acquiring companies in the in the sector and ultimately created Redwire Space, took that public last year. And that really got the ball rolling from a, hey, we're, we're in the sector. We, we're bullish in space. We want to invest in the entire ecosystem. That led to us investing in uh, Firefly Aerospace, which is our, our small and medium launch provider and spacecraft provider. We just announced a deal to acquire a majority stake at York Space Systems. We also invested in Sierra Space. Uh, we also participated in a couple of the um, public pipes for both Terran Orbital and Virgin Orbit. So we've really been, we think, the most active investor in this sector. And part of this, our, our, our belief that this is a, a generational opportunity to invest in uh, a really high growth sector. So we're, we're excited. We continue to be active and 
looking to deploy more capital in the sector. And so you yourself are spearheading many of these investments, right? Yes. What do you, how do you assess the space space? And I ask that because, and I realize that Redwire is actually a company that has, you know, has, is generating revenue and has, is profitable, but there are a lot of companies out there and we know it's, it's capital intensive, long lead times. There's a lot of companies out there that aren't even necessarily generating revenue yet, certainly aren't profitable. So how do you, how do you decide what's a good investment? Yeah, we, we are more focused on revenue generating cash flow positive type businesses. You know, we, we look at this, we look at the space sector and say, all right, the biggest spender in space is still the government, right? It's still defense It's still government. That's how we underpin our investments, right? Is the government customer wanting to buy this particular service or product from this company? If we get comfortable there, then we can get next to comfortable. What's the commercial upside um, and, and how to play, play that, that opportunity. But we really focus on companies that have that basis of a government defense customer. So if you look at Redwire, the businesses we put together, all those companies were providing services and products to the government for decades, uh, sometimes 40, 40 plus years, where they're providing mission enabling products to, to the government customer and, and, and the missions that they're trying to put into space. So that that's a key driver for us. We look at uh, a company like York Space Systems. They have won three large contracts from the SDA to the Space Force. That underpins a back a huge backlog of opportunity to provide small satellites for this proliferated Leo constellation strategy that the Defense Department is pushing. We get a lot of comfort in knowing that York has been picked and chosen and battle tested by by the Defense Department and gives us an opportunity to go then invest in the commercial sector and win those 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 type of customers. So that's. That's how we think about it. We're, we we will play a little bit in the more venture-like opportunities, but we haven't made a big play in a constellation, for example. That hasn't been where we have deployed capital. We really try to be the, again, the the mission enablers, the companies that have contracts with the government already, um, that we can we can leverage leverage that that uh, that revenue base from. We've seen the macroeconomic conditions changed pretty dramatically this year. Um, and certainly, at least in public markets, capital's dried up pretty aggressively. And a lot of the stocks that did go public, many of them via SPAC, in the past year or two, the shares have just nosedived um, in terms of value. Is it like that still in the private market? Um, is it a similar situation in the private market? Or is the private market relatively resilient, at least for now? It, it depends on stage of company and type mm -hmm. of company. I think if you, the early stage companies are still seeing funding, uh, I think the, the venture uh, capital is still, there's still enough dry powder to support that. I do think in the late stage uh, sort of growth equity type rounds, we're seeing definitely value compression. And there's obviously a lot of press that's going on in that. Uh, I, people want more downside protection on, on those type of rounds. But I do think the best companies with the with great business models are getting funded, and and there happens to be probably a um, a more for for companies that have more resilience where they have defense and government and you know defense space exposure. There tends to be a lot of capital that's that's uh, attracted to that that type of market right now because it 
it's uncorrelated to the general macro environment. There's, so there's still capital to put in space, but I, I, I do think that the, there will be a, a process over the next six to 12 months where certain companies will either need to be con consolidated together because of the lack of capital funding bespoke business models, or some companies have, have the, how I think about it is they've, they found the right problem, but they don't have the right solution and mm -hmm. the lack of capital in, in the market more broadly is not funding those, those companies that don't have the right solution uh, today. So I think that we'll see that in the next 12 months where certain space companies that were funded either via SPAC or via uh, venture capital uh, and growth capital will, will end up uh, being acquired or having to uh, shut down. But, but I think generally there's still a lot of interest in the space sector, but given some of the things I said, right, the, the defense, defense budget for space is increasing double digits this year um, and, and projected for next year. Uh, we still have NASA budgets that are at all time highs. Uh, and like, I think the commercial space market, like SpaceX, like today launched the uh, Falcon Heavy. Uh, there's still a lot of, a lot of interest in, in, um, in space and what we're, we're seeing, we're seeing great companies still get funded. Mm, nothing like a double sonic boom. Yeah. To get your, pretty awesome. Get your day going. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's such a key point, right? The defensiveness of defense dollars. Um, it sounds like, it sounds like a shakeout's coming or, or we're in the midst of one potentially. Does that create, does that create an opportunity for a firm such as yours to make investments? Because we essentially see, um, like the baby thrown out with the bathwater. I think I think this is the next again. The next twelve months will be uh, the opportunity of of at least my lifetime to to invest in some of the best best companies in our sectors at at discounts. Right. I, I think you're, you're, we're not going to over the last decade we've seen low interest rates, high valuations, FOMO. You couldn't get into rounds. We tried to get in some rounds last year. We weren't even invited. Um, you know, I, I think we're now we're now seeing investors can pick the companies they want to invest in and name name the terms that they they want to see. And uh, I I do think I do think that's going to provide great opportunities for investors to find great companies to back. And and we're like I said, we're we're extremely bullish on the sector. We wanted to play capital, and we think it, the, the time is is now given given these dynamics. What are some of the, I guess, subsectors or areas within the sector that you see as um, particularly, I guess, exciting or opportunistic right now? You know, I'm a little biased because we have <laughs> investments in the sector, but I, I would say we think about where are there potential pinch points in the, in the ecosystem? Um, and one is, you know, small sets, right? We, we think the, the proliferative Leo constellation trend is for the DOD and for commercial is here to stay, right? Starlink is obviously proving that it works and has been very beneficial for Ukrainians and 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 their current conflict, right? We're we're seeing we're seeing the benefits of the strategy, right? From resilience of the proliferated Leo constellations, 
there is not enough capacity and there's not the right uh, infrastructure to be able to build production of satellites that that's needed for, for this, this trend. So that's, that drove us for York's York space systems. They've got a unique business model, unique bus design that allows us to build satellites much more cheaply uh, and faster than has ever been done, done before. And that, that, that shape starts to bring new economic models available to the commercial markets as well. I think about, you know, John Deere's heavily, heavy, heavy, heavily publicized, uh, desire to have to procure their own satellite uh, capability and bandwidth that these the lowering of launch costs, lowering of satellite constellations allows these new companies that to, to uh, find new business models within, you know, fortune 100 companies. So we're, we're seeing that as a, as a big opportunity. Um, I, I, I think the other opportunity we see within the subsectors is there is a, for the first time, and I, and I know Bill Weber made this point uh, from Firefly for the first time ever launch capacity will be below uh, launch demand uh, next year. Right. And that's driven obviously by the Russian Ukrainian uh, conflict, uh, losing that Russian Russian launch capacity and Firefly has is definitely benefiting um, uh, from from the uh, the the you know, from from the the need for launch capacity in this market, that we you know we talk a lot about small. There's a lot of small sat launch capacity that's to come online, but we haven't seen it, right? And you know, so I think we we think with a, again the proliferated Leo constellations that are coming online, the need for a constant replenishment of those satellites. There isn't enough launch capacity in the market today. Mm -hmm. uh, we we think. You know, some of these companies like Firefly, ABL, Relativity uh, could be well poised to, to take advantage of that. Mm. Yeah. And of course, it, I mean, when you talk about those names. Those are some of the newer names. I mean, Firefly obviously just had that successful orbital flight, that orbital launch. Um, but like Relativity, we're waiting. We're waiting for that first waiting. launch. So. Yeah. Um, the, the deer stuff, I think it's kind of fascinating because it speaks to this idea of connected machines right and so whether it's autonomous driving or whether it's heavy machinery that is becoming quote unquote smarter um with all the software investments on, on that front too i mean just how do we have our arms around just how big that opportunity is from a space perspective i mean i can think about sitting down with Brent shotwell a couple of years ago now before they started launching their starlink satellites but when they were talking about it and you know she talked about that capability with starlink um, and, and what that could mean at that point in time. But since then, we've seen this proliferation, um, particularly on the industrial side with the deers and caterpillars of the world. Um, I mean, how big is that opportunity? I don't think the market knows yet. That's, that's the exciting mm. part about it, right? You have uh, John Deere and Deere, I think, de depending on who you talk to in that, that company, they think of themselves as a data company, right? They're providing valuable data to their customers, right? Whether it's, you know, what's the weather data, when should be fertilizing, when we should be, water, you know, watering certain areas. And they want very specific uh, uh, data to, to drive that, right? And that's only unlocked by what satellites can provide, right? And, and the cost of that data is keeps coming down because of 
SpaceX because of the launch right. cost, because of the lower cost of constellations and the lower cost of, of data. So that 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 opens up a brand new market where then Deer can sell more valuable data to their customers um, and, and drive better decision making and better outcomes for for those industries. Um, so we're seeing, you know, that is a you know, just a just the tip of the iceberg. And then you think about where they ultimately want to go, which is, uh, you know, providing autonomy for their machinery. Right. You need you need that uh, ubiquitous connectivity that only satellites can provide. Right. You're you're a lot of these the customers are in you know, far afield places. They're in remote areas. You don't get it. You're not getting cell service. Right. You need you, so you need to have satellite connectivity to actually unlock these new machinery where they want to provide autonomous, autonomous tractors and autonomous machinery. So that, that is a, you know, an untapped area that we, you know, we think will drive growth, tremendous growth over the next, next decade uh, for space. And, and ultimately, you know, we can talk about, you know, what level of autonomy is, is going to happen, but obviously with cars too, um, you see auto, auto OEMs also thinking about how do they use space connectivity to uh, autonomously connect, you know, for connectivity of their cars, right? And that's, you know, obviously, you know, Tesla, SpaceX, you know, I think that's ultimately a, a vision of those companies. Um, and we think every OEM is going to have to follow suit. Hmm. Um, so... What is this? I mean, this is a big question that I ask. I feel like everybody who comes on this podcast, but what is this? What does the space economy look like five years from now, 10 years from now? Because I'd imagine as somebody who's putting money to work in this sector, um, those are questions you have to get your arms around uh, in terms of your investments. Yeah, I mean, it's there, there's different answer for diff every different area, but I, I'll, I'll start with uh, within within the DOD Right. I, yeah, we will know five, 10 years from now, right. If our bets are right on um, this proliferated Leo constellation stra strategy, right. It is, does it provide the resilient resiliency that we, we think it will, uh, does it provide the uh, comms that we, that the, the warfighter needs from a DOD perspective, does it provide the, the layer, the layers needed for hypersonic missile tracking? Right. That is a big that, that's a big bet that DOD is making and we're we're making as well. Um, so that, that I think that's that's a that's a key theme. Uh, on the civil side, right, we have big bets being made globally for on lunar, like yeah. right, and you know, who you know you have the you have Artemis mission by NASA, you have the Chinese also want to have their own presence on the moon. You have SpaceX who wants uh, and Blue Origin who all want to commercialize um, cis lunar and um, and ultimately obviously SpaceX wants to get to Mars, right? These are these are big areas of uh, you know spend and geopolitical events that will will play out over the next decade and and uh, part of that is also the you know ISS right? What happens with uh, commercial space stations. Obviously, the Chinese today uh, just connected uh, a module. I think they're close to being done with their their space station. 
right? I think there is a there is definitely a competition between uh, the U.S. and the, the Chinese for uh, Leo commercialization and 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 uh, lunar commercialization that will play out over the next decade. And we're believers that this is a once in a generation opportunity for us to invest in uh, an area of, of growth. For the you know, for, to use a cliche, the next frontier um, within within civil civil space, uh, and then what that unlocks from a commercial commercial space perspective. Uh, we're really we're obviously really really excited about because that when you have a commercial space station like an orbital reef right you have new business models unlocked that you know whether that's uh, you know bio biotech research and microgravity whether that's manufacturing different components different materials in microgravity that are all beneficial to how we live life on earth i, I think that those are all really exciting uh, trends we're, we see and, you know, we're, we're excited about that. Um, you know, we think it's yeah, by 2040, it's a, it's a $2 trillion market, uh, just space alone. So we're excited. Wow. We're excited. We're excited. We're excited to be investing in the sector. Wow. That's definitely one of the higher numbers I've, I've heard. I mean, I, when you start thinking about all the different ways space could potentially touch our lives and continue to do so, I mean, it's, it's a feasible number, but it's definitely one of the higher numbers I've, I've heard. Um, institutional investors that put, that put money with your firm, have you found that there's more interest, there's more education, there's more appetite to make these types of investments in, in space? I feel like it was only a couple of years ago, at least from my side of it, covering it, where there was still like a, a certain amount of, I don't want to say disbelief, that word's probably too strong, but like maybe skepticism, a little bit of skepticism about the sector and just how, you know, how much it was going to take off. Yeah. Um, have you found that like we've moved past that? I, I think there are institutional investors who are making much bigger bets in space that weren't taking them a few years ago. Obviously, BlackRock has been publicized to participate in uh, some space space companies, including our recent deal York. Um, so that yeah, obviously they're the largest and they're, they're investing in the sector in a, in a very large way. Uh, we've seen Fidelity and T row also participate in, 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 uh, various space investments. So we are, we are seeing institutional investors who've gotten educated on the sector that have jumped in and, and are participating. But I agree with you, like several years ago, and we didn't, we didn't start investing in the sector in a big way until uh, 20, 2019, 2020, where we, we started to form our thesis in 2018, 2019. We weren't investing in space because it, it was, it, at least from, from us, right? It wasn't an investable sector at, the, at that point. Right. And, and no other private equity firm was really investing in the sector either. Um, so we said, but when we noticed that these demand trends were were driving, like I said, driving growth in our, in our portfolio companies. So what are, what are we what are we missing here about space? And then that's when we started digging in. That's when you started hearing uh, also the DOD talk more frequently about how important the space domain was to uh to our national security you see a lot more interest in in 
NASA and, and from the general public for the civil space budgets and generally bipartisan support for both of those, um, which is rare these days, <laughs> yeah. as you know. Um, but, you know, we're, we, and a lot of that was, I mean, frankly, credit goes to SpaceX, right? And, and driving launch costs down so much that it, it changed how, uh, peop, you know, how the government, how commercial companies thought about space assets and getting, and getting things to orbit, right? It, it just changed, it changed the game and has created a, a, a sector that we, you know, is very investable. And again, we think it's one of the best places to invest. Hmm. You're not invested in SpaceX. Is that, um, is that something you would ever consider getting involved in if you could? We were too late. <laughs> right? uh, no, I, I think, um, you know, from, from us, for our, for our standpoint, we, we're, we target three times our money, right. In terms of okay. uh, return and, you know, where SpaceX is today, I think it's a great investment, but it's hard for us to, to take a small position, a very small position in a really great company. Uh, it's just not our, doesn't fit our investment thesis. Hmm. Have you always been interested in space or is this something that you kept coming up in conversation and you sort of dug in, as you mentioned, a couple of years ago and, and now and it kind of you got the bug? Yeah, I would. I, I mean, I think as a kid, you're always sort of, you know, interested in, in space. I wouldn't say I was one of those people that, you know, I was a space enthusiast for my entire life. Uh, I you know, it was more investor, more generalist investor before I came to a and a industrial. And, uh, when, when we started focusing on commercial aero and defense and got into the space sector, uh, I think it, it really, really clicked from a, you know, personal passion and a, uh, a passion of our firm, to, uh, for, for things that fly and, uh, you know, what, yeah, I think once you get the space space bug, you, it's it's impossible to get rid of. So now, yeah, I'm all in uh, to into the space sector and and love to talk about it. Hmm. Can you run through? And I don't know how much you can, but can you run through some of the numbers with me in terms of how much you have invested in the sector, returns thus far? I can't get into the returns, but we we do. Uh, we manage about five billion dollars of assets in our management, and about twenty percent of our portfolio is is um, is space. So uh, you know we we've we've invested a lot of capital in this sector. I think if you if you if you included all of the um, um, enterprise values of all the companies we invested in, it's close to twenty billion dollars. Hmm. Um, so we you know like I said, we are we are the most prolific prolific investor in this sector and, and want to want to increase our lead. Okay. Um, is there anything else that you're watching or any other trends or, or factors to keep in mind um, when thinking about approaching this sector as an investor? I think uh, we'll obviously be very interested to see the, the, uh, the Artemis launch upcoming. Uh, I think, you know, that is a, a big event for the the sector and what decisions are made from a, a NASA perspective, from a 
uh, you know, has a ripple effect across the industry. And so we're, we're obviously watching that the entire industry is watching that starship is another, you know, very similar event. Uh, and, and sounds like that might go orbital later this year in December. Uh, and that, that will have a ripple effect in the industry. So I, I think those are, those are two big launches over the next two months that, that will, could change how investors think about the sector from, a you know, what, what, what programs are, are mo most relevant? What does Starship mean for mega constellations? What does it mean for Leo commercialization? What does it mean for, uh, lunar, lunar, cis lunar, right? I think it's, it's a, these are pretty, pretty large events that will uh, be meaningful in the next two months. That does it for this episode of Manifest Space. Make sure you never miss a launch by searching Manifest Space wherever you get your podcasts and by following the Squawk on the Street podcast. For more on the space race, be sure to watch Squawk on the Street on CNBC. I'm Morgan Brennan. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.